Did you know that the giant sequoias are named for the famed Cherokee leader Sequoia, who developed the Cherokee alphabet? Welcome to the Lore of the South. Welcome back to Lore of the South with me, Kelly Cruz, your host. We're getting a bit of Florida winter weather around here, and it's wonderful. Lows in the 40s and highs in the 60s, it's perfect. How was y'all's Thanksgiving? I hope it was a great day for you all. Good food with family and friends for company. A couple of us came down with colds around here, and that's why this is late getting to y'all. Other than that, we enjoyed our day. Mike smoked a turkey, and Mom and I made all the signs with the help from Hayden, our middle child, who Mom taught how to make her mother's cornbread dressing. The traditions continue around here. We're wrapping up Native American Heritage Month with this final episode for the month of November, even though it's now December. And that brings us to episode 31, Native American Burials. Again, I called on my friend, Dr. Chris Essing, for his help with this topic. And I think he had the perfect way to start by describing the different pre-Columbian time periods in prehistoric North America. This will help us to understand how burial practices changed or evolved over time. First, we had the Lithic stage that ranged between 18,000 to 8,000 BCE. This would have been the time of megafauna, mastodons, mammoths, cave bears, big cats, and giant ground sloths still roam the continent. This is when the Clovis culture emerged. If you're a history buff, you've probably heard of the Clovis points. Those were the type of spearheads created by our paleo inhabitants. Many were massive because of the size of the animals that were being hunted at the time. Many of the other artifacts that we find were more utilitarian in nature and not as stylized as the one we will find in later time periods. The only known found burial from this time period was that of an infant boy in Montana in 1969 by a pair of construction workers. He was buried with an array of stone tools and weapons, all of which had been coated in red ochre, mimicking the practices of some ancient Asian cultures. His DNA tells us that he was likely descended from these same Asian cultures. From there, we move into the Archaic, which is broken up into three sub-periods, the Early, Middle, and Late, ranging from 8000 BCE to 1000 BCE. This was a time of massive change due largely to climate change. We see the extinction of the megafauna and as the Ice Age comes to an end. With the enormous animals gone, many areas that were once plains and grasslands began to become more and more forested. The rising in temperatures meant more and more availability of plants, nuts, and seeds for our early peoples to live off of. Here in the south, we begin to see huge shell middens along the gulf, many of which can still be seen today. I believe there are a few viewable off of Cedar Key, Florida. This is also when the practices of mound building began. Y'all, these things are amazing and huge. They can also be found all over the country, well, at least from the Mississippi River East. 
They began as monuments to the dead. I'll be sure to include pictures of the cross-sections of these mounds. Bodies, sometimes cremated, sometimes bound, and other times left in an unmodified state, would be laid to rest. Some of the southernmost mounds have been found to contain copper axes and beads, meaning that Native Americans in the Deep South were trading with other tribes far to their north. Along with the copper goods, mica and other rare minerals have been found decorating the deceased. In the northern mounds, there were things like conch shells and other coastal items have been found with their dead. It's amazing the level of interaction and trade that was happening so long ago. I'd always thought that tribes stuck to themselves and kept to a certain territory. And y'all, I hope y'all are finding this as interesting as I do, but I digress. Back to the mounds. So, there would be a layer of dead along with their worldly adornments, both ceremonial and serviceable. Then layers upon layers of different soil types to create stability would be applied over the interred. Sometimes other offerings and pottery would be left in the layers above. There might even be multiple layers of bodies added over the years. Pottery found in the mounds have become more artistic in nature, very stylized and less utilitarian. This lending itself to the more agricultural way of life that was developing and of the tribes moving away from their former migratory lifestyles. Mound building lasted all the way through our next time period, the Woodland Period, which lasted from 1000 BCE up until European contact. The mounds began to move away from burial grounds and became more used as like temples of sorts. Archaeological evidence shows that some of the mounds were built to align with certain astronomical events like solstices and such. Others were built in the shapes of animals, people, or maybe even gods. These were known as effigy mounds and would have been gathering places for special ceremonies. When reading about all of this, Stonehenge immediately came to my mind. I love how similar ancient cultures could be, even when they were separated by an entire ocean. Something Doc Essing shared with me really stuck out. He mentioned that a good way to distinguish between mound types was by what could be found around them. Burial mounds would be located outside of a village. Effigy mounds would be places that many tribes would gather at. And our third type of mound came during this woodland period. They were building these huge mounds as status symbols. The higher your mound, the higher your rank. In one complex up in Illinois, the mounds like the ancient berms in England were set up as a defense. This settlement even had a huge stockade built around it. Once the Spanish began their exploration of the New World, this pretty much brought an end to the mound building. The rash of European disease wiped out whole tribes. Trade amongst Native Americans also slowed. Many tribes began to enter more of a survival mode, and that brought about an end of their renaissance, so to speak. I do want to talk to you all about one other practice that was discovered here in Florida back in 1982. This practice yet again reminds me of practices found all over Europe, including the British Isles. Peat burials. In 1982, close to Titusville, home to Cape Canaveral and that of Kennedy Space Center, a construction crew had brought in a bulldozer to put in a road over a small pond. The road would lead to a new housing development to be called Wendover Farms. 
In the very first scoop of the bucket, it brought up what appeared to be human skulls. The sheriff's office was called along with the medical examiners. They both determined that the remains were not recent. Further testing was done and the construction company called halt to all work. Through radiocarbon dating, it was determined that the skulls were more than 7,000 years old, this placing them in the Middle Archaic period that ranged from 6,000 to 3,000 BCE. This coincided with the Neolithic period in Europe and in Egypt, and life would have been fairly similar, though in different climates. After finding out what the backhoe had uncovered might be of a huge archaeological importance, the construction company donated $60,000 worth of pumping equipment to the archaeology team of Florida State. Two years later, the state finally approved the funding and excavation began. They dug a network of 160 wells to drain the pond. The remains were found buried under six feet of peat that had accumulated over the thousands of years. The living had used sharpened stakes to anchor their tribe mates' bodies to the ancient floor of the pond. The archaeology team dug up half of the quarter-acre pond and uncovered the remains of 168 individuals, ranging in ages from infants to the elderly. A hundred of the burials remained fully intact. Many had been staked on their left sides, their heads facing west. Some of the people had been so well preserved that remnants of their clothing had remained, showing the amazing weaving skills these people possessed. When CAT scans were done, many of the skulls still had brain matter intact. Luckily, the state of Florida had preserved these materials, and DNA analysis was run. It was found that the dead had been interred in their watery graves within 24 to 48 hours after death. One of the most surprising details was that these ancient inhabitants were of European descent and not of that of Eastern Asia. The anaerobic peat had preserved these ancient people well, and with that preservation we learned a lot about them and how they cared for each other. The skeleton showed signs of osteoporosis was common amongst elderly women. Osteoarthritis was common in both males and females, as it is today. Individuals were found to have been nursed through wounds, some showing signs of healing. The pelvis of one man still had a spear point lodged in it. Was this from a hunting accident or was it murder? The skeleton of a boy around the age of 15 was found to have spina bifida, the severity of which meant that he most definitely would have been paralyzed. He also had the lower part of one of his legs amputated. The stump showing that it had fully healed, proving that this was a community that cared for each other during an incredibly hard time to live. Side notes. One of the things that I learned while researching today's topic was the amount of destruction that has occurred to these ancient and sacred sites. Over the hundreds of years of European settlement, it has been absolutely devastating. To add insult to injury, it's taken generations for white people to accept the fact that Native Americans were actually much more advanced than what they have been given credit for in the past. The Europeans would claim everything from ancient Atlanteans, yes, from the lost continent of Atlantis, to the lost tribes of Israel were the actual builders of these ancient mound structures. Then from there, they claimed that the mounds weren't man-made at all. 
they were natural land formations caused by erosion. In the words of a super funny TikToker who I cannot remember his name, stop it white people. Maybe someday we'll finally be able to give proper credit to other cultures and races that is past due. I hope y'all found this interesting and it didn't just sound like I was reading an instruction guide to y'all. Oh, let's see for recommendations. Um, in honor of Native American History Month, I will recommend the new Netflix movie, Tiata. It's about a Chickasaw Nations woman who becomes famous for her interpretive stage performances based on Native American legends. In December, y'all can expect two episodes, if not three. If I can find time to do an extra Christmas episode, I definitely will. Send me your favorite Santa memories and other Christmas traditions, either on social media or via email. Speaking of social media, look for us on Facebook and Instagram. I always post pics to go along with every single episode. And if you want to contact us through email, that address is loreofthesouth at gmail.com. And with that, we'll talk to y'all later on Lore of the South.